0: My next guest and I found each other on Instagram and connected through our love of podcasts. It just so happened that I had also been watching her in Lucifer on Netflix and didn't even realise it till later. Brianne Davis is a Hollywood actress, writer, producer and director. She can be seen as an actress in Lucifer, Casual, True Blood, the History Channel's Series 6 and the film Jarhead, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Brianne has over a decade of recovery as a sex and love addict. Inspired by her life experience, she is the host of the popular podcast Secret Life and author of a book of the same topic. Through my conversation with Brianne, I learnt we had so much in common and that we are both striving to amplify conversations that rarely happen and yet need to be heard. Welcome, Brianne, to The Ethical Evolution. Hi, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Now, um, for those of us who might not have been uh, you know having Netflix binges during uh, lockdown and don't know who you are, can you tell us who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, I'm an actress. Well, I started as an actress and then director, producer and now I am a writer and a podcast host. So yeah, I've been in Lucifer just came out. I'm in the new season of Lucifer and six on history, which is on Hulu now and a bunch of other movies, jarhead prom night, a lot more. I'm an (laughs) actor. I'm a working actor. I've been working for 15 years, but you probably wouldn't recognize me. Which is fine.
0: (laughs) And I've just finished binge watching Lucifer, can I say, Um, which was amazing. Um, So, yeah, I I just got to the end and went, oh, is that it?
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I loved playing Detective Dancer. She was so much fun to bring to life. I I really, that was one of my favourite roles I've ever played, I think.
0: Yeah, and it was a great cast too, Um, amazing show. Um so um now you're you're stepping more into directing and producing um and also with your husband you've got your your production company. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah,
1: it's called Give and Take Productions. We've filmed three and produced three movies and I've directed two of them, The Night Visitor and The Night Visitor 2 that are on Amazon right now and I think Showtime and Stars and then I have another movie I directed called Psychophonia. Sometimes in different countries, it's called Deadly Signal. So you have to kind of look it up. But it was like, it was a, a sci fi horror kind of movie that I directed in seven days. And I'm really proud of it. Oh, wow. And that- yeah. So we started a production company because we both are very creative and we don't wait, like to wait for people to give us jobs. Yeah. So one way to do that is to make your own work and create your own opportunity.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, so what have you got in the works at the moment? I know you've been you know, in production meetings and all that kind of stuff. What, what are you working on at the moment?
1: Well, I have a couple television shows that we're about to be pitching. We started pitching before the pandemic, but everything shut down. So we're in the process of doing that. And then I also have a podcast called Secret Life where people share their secrets and their mm. shame. And I started it because I came out at a decade of recovery and sex and love addiction. And I wanted to give other people the opportunity to let go of that baggage that holds us down and defines us. So in doing that, I wrote a book, which is coming out February 12th, Valentine's Day weekend. It's called Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. And it's a fiction, but it's based, it was first a memoir, but then I turned it into a fiction because first of all, I didn't want to get sued. And second (laughs) of all, uh, my imagination when I started writing this character was, it just blew up. I wanted to put other people's experiences in her in Roxanne's story and not just mine, mm. to really help people heal from sex and love addiction and know that they're not alone. And there's these ten rules she lives by through her first year of being in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I read your article that you wrote um, about your experience. Um, in Huff Post. Yeah. yeah, right? And, <laughs> wow, I mean, what a ride you've been through. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a journey I wouldn't wish upon anyone, but I have to tell you it's humbled me. It's made me a better person. I love who I am today. When I look into the mirror, I can face myself. I don't have any demons in my closet and it's really been the best blessing and gratitude for my journey.
0: And congratulations on 10 years. That's that's incredible.
1: Well, it's 11 now. 11, wow. Yeah, (laughs) I just got my 11-year chip in December and just like I cannot believe how my life has changed from what it used to be 11 years ago to what it is now.
0: And I really admire that you've taken something that – you know, over time can be quite traumatic for not just you, but the people involved in it. And you've actually turned that into something productive to help others. Um, and and sharing those stories and the stories of others um, through your book and podcast, I think, um, is a, a really great way to help people, you know, deal with their uh, trauma and their addictions and that, you know, they're not alone and that, you know, there is help out there and talking about it is the best thing that you can do.
1: I mean if you're struggling out there just pick up the phone and call someone mm. reach out it's those secrets that we carry around that kill us mm. that make us keep doing what we were we were doing then then just if you just put it out there and say hey I'm struggling hey I have this I 100% believe the other person will be like oh my god I feel like that too or I've done that too or someone I know So it really helps you heal when you know you're not alone and you're not buried in your shame.
0: Mm, Because you end up just going deeper, don't you? (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's a spiral. It's a very brutal spiral and it causes depression, anxiety. You know, it stems from like not enough love, fear of abandonment, fear of self-worth. And I just want to blow open the doors to allow people to say, this is my dirty laundry and I'm okay with everyone hearing it now.
0: Yeah. And it's such a liberating thing. I and mean, it's scary. It's scary, but it's liberating once you do it. And you're just like, whoa, I can't believe I did that. But boy, it's like a weight off your shoulders, isn't it?
1: Oh my God. It's the best feeling in the world. I have to tell you, when that huff poop out, I was so nervous that morning. Mm. I was like, what am I doing? Am I ever going to work again? Are people going to judge me? Is the world going to stop? Like all these things. And let me tell you, nothing happened. Yeah. Like <laughs> It was such it was such a humbling experience. Like, calm down, Breanne. You're not like, <laughs> you do not, the universe does not revolve around you. Like, relax. So that in itself was such a great experience that the world did not stop because I'm like, I'm officially a recovering second love addict. But I have to tell you the, the feedback I got, the letters, the people reaching out to me on Instagram, it has, it has literally given me like a newfound like sense of purpose, a mm. being of service for other people to help other people, to give a voice that women are also sex addicts mm. and love addicts, just like men. And it doesn't, define who I am. It was a part of my pattern and how I behaved. But yeah, and then starting the podcast and it has healed me so much. Mm. I do it for the listeners. I don't even do it for the guests. The guest and I are there to be of service to our listeners. But I have to tell you my guests, almost 80% of them, a lot of them change their names, but they call me the day of and they're like, yeah, I'm so obs- like they they get so nervous. And sometimes they don't even tell me till I check in with them at like later in the week. Mm. And, and their healing has even like put fuel under my fire to be mm. more transparent to be more authentic.
0: Mm. And uh, I completely resonate uh, with with what you've done there because my my first podcast, uh, and I've been on many, um, was about three years (laughs) ago um, and um, basically it was called The State of You and it basically was like a therapy for me. I basically let everything out. And I remember that first episode, which was my story, you know, it was everything I'd been through, my coming out, everything. And I was so scared to put that episode out and nothing happened. I was just like, nothing happened. But you know what? I feel so much better.
1: (laughs) It's literally, it's hilarious. Everybody's so worried about something happening and nothing happens. So if you're scared to put your stuff out there, just do it because we're telling you two people. It happens to you, you know, they don't come at you with pitchforks wanting to destroy you.
0: (laughs) And yeah, that, that one only lasted about eight or nine episodes and boy, the therapy I got out of that. (laughs) The best. It's free, free free therapy. (laughs) It is the best. Um, Now looking at everything that you do, um, you know, with your acting, directing, producing podcasts, books, um, all of that wrapped in a, in a little bubble, um what would you say your mission is is it to be of service
1: it is honestly i the however many years i've been in my disease it was always about me mm. i was so self-serving i was so selfish every single person in my life it was about filling me. I realized I used my family. I used my friends, girlfriends, boy, you know, my boyfriends. I used every single person to fill that hole inside of me. Mm. And now this, you know, 11 years has really been of service. And whenever I make it about me, I, that's deadly. That's yeah. like po- me drinking poison. Mm. So for wherever I can be of service to somebody else, it heals me. So that's my mission to be of service, to bring a voice to the voiceless, especially with sex and love addiction. You know, 6% of the US population has it. That's it, I think it was uh, 39% are women, which I think it's a lot bigger. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like 9.2 million people in the United States that have this addiction, not talking worldwide. Mm. I mean, one of my sponsees went to Bali before the pandemic and they had a slaw meeting there. It, it's all over the world wow. and people are struggling. They're struggling to find a connection. They're struggling to find their authenticity, especially in the social media age where everything is so disconnected. We mm. feel we're connected, but we're really not. Mm. So my whole journey is to bring connection, to bring be of service, and to tell others they're not alone and they don't have to struggle. You do not have to go after unavailable people. You do not have to cheat. You do not always have to be swiping left, swiping right Mm. to get that hit, to get that attention. And you don't have to flirt. You don't have to intrigue. All that stuff drains us of our true self. And I guess that's my mission now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And, you know, those those stats are quite alarming, aren't they? Like, I mean, um, and I think there's also a bit of a stigma as well. Like uh, women are perceived differently to men when it comes to that kind of addiction. It's, it's fine for men, but not for women.
1: Yeah, and they, it's they also kind of make it like it's hot. Yeah, I remember the first time I told somebody a, a, a man too that I was a sex and love addict, and you just seen his face. He was like, "Ooh, like, mm. like he wishes he knew me when I was acting out." And I was like, "It is not sexy. It yeah. is not sexy to use people to fill you. Like, mm. to that. That's what I do. That's what people do with this addiction. We use people, just like." A heroin addict uses heroin, just Mm. just like an alcoholic uses alcohol. We use people, and it's like a cycle. And you just—I used to say—you can put a bag over someone's head; it wouldn't matter who they were. I was just using them as a mirror for me.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. Again, I props to you in what you're doing because this really needs a voice uh, globally. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's why we're having this conversation today. I mean. Now, looking at your recovery and and also the work that you do, what do you reckon has been your biggest challenge and how have you overcome it?
1: Well, like I said, the first thing is that your own fear of people judging you, of, um, you know, making up their own story in their head about, and then it's that shame, that Mm. shame cycle. It took me a good... I would say six years of recovery before I offered information that I was in sex and love addiction and that I had sponsees. My agent who I've been with for almost 15 years didn't even know I was in recovery. She had no idea until I told her the book was coming. (laughs) She's like, what? I said, do you remember that year? You know, like 10 years ago where I didn't work for the year. Like do you remember how bad my auditions were because I couldn't go into an audition room and be a person when I yeah. didn't even know how to be a person in real life.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I just feel the biggest challenge for me is getting out of my own way. Yeah. Getting out of ego because if I think about what are people going to think about me, How am I going to look? How are other people going to perceive my story, especially with the novel coming out? You know, it's a Roma Clef fiction. It's based on my life. Mm. But some stories are made up. I would say like it's a good 60-40. But a part of me is really nervous about it. But I have to keep telling myself, you never wanted to write a book, Brienne. This is not about you. Yeah. This was bigger than you. This was God telling you to write. I'm dyslexic. Like massively dyslexic. So, the first thing I would never write a book, I can't even write a good sentence, I believe. (laughs) And my husband kept pushing me, write the book, write a book, right? And I'm like, leave me alone. Like, <laughs> I don't want to write a book. Go away. Like, leave me alone. And he, finally, I was like, fine, I'll take this writing course to write a novel. And I wrote it in 45 days. Wow. And that's not me. Yeah. That's God. Yeah. That's my higher power, being of service to others. So I just have to get out of my way. That's my biggest challenge. Get out of my way. And ego stands for, for me, is edging God out.
0: Oh, I learned that
1: in the program. So yeah. I can't edge God out. It's not about me.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And and Sorry, that was a little, I was like getting intense. Oh, I'm like, it's not about me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can so agree with you, you know, like I think when we when we get in the way of things and, and we interrupt that flow, mm-hmm. you get nowhere. Um, so yeah. by just letting it take the reins, I think that's the best thing that you can do.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the only thing I can do because I will destroy it. Mm. I will kibosh it or I will inflate it and make it bigger. Like it's the end all be all. And it's like those two things are not healthy for me, especially as an addict. Yeah. So when I just be and let flow in what's supposed to flow in and flow out what's supposed to flow in, that is like that magic spot where I'm just being me, being in this moment, talking to you, being of service, that's where I find the most peace and serenity in my
0: life. Mm, yeah. It's like you're a vessel for it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm just, get out of the way, Brianne. <laughs> I've been talking about myself in third person. I normally <laughs> don't do that. So if you, <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe I'm tired and hungry, but yeah.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> so this one's going to be left field for you though. Um, can you define what being ethical means to you?
1: Well, for me to define that, I have to look at where I'm unethical and before program before sex and love fiction, I was completely unethical. Mm. I would lie, I would cheat, I would steal, I would do whatever I could to get my needs met. Mm. And when I get out of those things, that's being ethical. Showing up when I say I'm going to show up, being honest even though, you know, and, and, and putting my faith in others and not just putting up the walls and the mask I used to wear, showing up, um, authentic, authenticity, having authenticity. I think that's how I would say it, having authenticity and just being very transparent is how I would look at being ethical.
0: Mm, yeah. And I, I love that question. Cause there's no wrong answer really. It is, <laughs> it is whatever it is for you. And, yeah. and it, generally resonates with everyone but oh my god I get some great answers to that question
1: <laughs> it's a good question I loved that question that's a great question
0: now um what's your plans in the future where, where, where are you setting your sights at the moment um I know you know you you want to get into bigger things um you know you've you've gone in front of the camera and behind the camera um mm-hmm. so uh, is is the production company the the next big um goal for you
1: Here's another thing, which I try not to set goals because right. in my addiction, you it, a lot of it is attached to fantasy, mm. living in fantasy, negative fantasy or positive fantasy. Both of those aren't that. That great for me, um, you know. Future tripping is what we like to call it—like going into the future and fantasizing. I can get lost in that, mm. and then the negative, where I can be like, "Oh, it's going to go bad," and and like focusing on all the worry. So when I, you told ta- just to ask that question. I'm really just trying to be. I have plans where I, the book is. It's it's three part. It's a trilogy, and I've already written the second book. So I'm now re-editing the second book um, while the first one is not even out yet. And my husband and I, people are interested in, in it for a TV show. So we wrote a pilot over the pandemic holiday. And, you know, I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and seeing what God has in store for me, because I have to tell you, you know, a year ago, I didn't know I was going to write a book. Mm. A year ago, I didn't know I was going to have a podcast called Secret Life and I was going to spill all my dirt while I spill other people's dirt. And we were going to be of service to people all over the world. So whenever I make plans, sometimes they're so limiting Mm. that I just have to like uh, force myself to be and let the inspiration that comes allow it to come. Because I have to tell you, I never wanted to be on a podcast or I don't even like the sound of my voice. I'm going to be very honest. (laughs) And what happened was it at 3 a.m. I woke up and I sat up really quick and I said, secret life podcast. I allow other people to tell me their secrets and we have a conversation about it. And that's how it came. And I just followed that path. And if it was, if I had a plan, I wouldn't have followed that path.
0: Yeah. You know what? I am so glad you said that because this year oh, I'm exactly the same. Um, you know, how when you come into a new year, everybody's like, oh, well, this is my resolution, these are my goals, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. and I And I'm just like, oh, come on. Um, so I, I'm like, no, no goals, uh, none of that. Uh, I'm yeah. just letting it flow. And, and, and as you said, just, just being, um, in the moment, I think the thing is that we, we get so tied up in the future or the past that we don't actually live in the now. And yeah. that is a really big thing that, since the pandemic that I, I'm just, I'm all for. Um, because I think we, we should yeah. all
1: throw out our resolution, yes honestly, because I never wanted to be married, and I'm married. I never wanted a kid, and I have a kid. Mm -hmm. And those two things are such blessings, especially for me that never thought I was worthy enough to have it or that I could show up, you know, because I was so selfish and self-seeking. And if I made plans for my life, I wouldn't have had those beautiful things, you know, come out of all this growth. Mm. So I just think we should throw out that thing where you have resolutions or goals. You know, you have an idea of where you want to go, but God may take you somewhere completely different. That's 10 times better for you.
0: That's it. You know, you make plans and God laughs, huh? Yeah right,
1: totally, <laughs> totally laughs. He's like, yeah, okay, lady. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, I mean, you know, exactly the same. I wouldn't have thought I'm I would be doing what I'm doing now. Um, you know, two years ago, uh, and and by just letting go and, and letting it flow, my gosh, the things that are happening to me, I never thought would happen. So yeah, I'm all for that. Um, I love it. <laughs> Now, speaking of your podcast, um, because I produce so many podcasts, I don't listen to that many, to be honest with you. But my God, when I listened to yours, I couldn't stop. Um, and Aww. that is very rare for me. Um, I was sitting there on the edge of my seat going, oh my God, this stuff is good. Um, huh. It is a great podcast. Can you just tell us a bit more about um, the the kind of guests you've had and, and the kind of stories they've shared?
1: Okay, yeah. I, I, that... Just you saying that right now just literally validated all the hard work we've done, my husband and I, with the podcast. And that's the whole reason for someone to listen and be like, oh, my God. Mm. And also like, oh, I felt that way or I've thought of that or I've done that. So just thank you for saying that. Yeah. The good thing about my podcast is it's every walk of life. Mm. It's every ethnicity. It's age group. It's. You know, it's we run the gamut. And half of our guests are well-known people, some of them. And the other half are anonymous. Sometimes I don't even know their real names and I just make up a name. But we've had, you know, a really difficult one for me was one of the first ones. It was Kristen's episode where she shot herself in the chest with a shotgun committing suicide. And she lived. And when she was seeing me through that moment she was in her car with the, the gunshot through her, her chest. I I, I was just like, this is, it it was such like a connection between her and I that of her for the rest of my life. Like Mm. she's such a beautiful person and coming out on the side, other side of it and being an activist for suicide and all that. And then we have, you know, a beautiful friend of mine talking about emotional incest with his mom and coming out stories with another one of my good friends, fertility issues, postpartum mm. depression. You know, oh, another very difficult episode for me was the episode about using abortion as birth control. So that one was really mm. dark and it went places. But then we have lighter ones where. We talk about lying on our resume as an actor and all the stupid things, situations you put yourself in. Or another really fun one is uh, a girl steals uh, food at Whole Foods from Jeff Bezos because she hates him. So she'll, <laughs> like, get a salad and then ring it up as a pizza. And she, like, can't stop herself. And I was like, what do you mean you can't stop your? She's like, I cannot stop stealing from Whole Foods 365. <laughs> And that's a really funny one. And then I have really funny ones coming out about like being obsessed with reality TV, having it on 24 yep. seven or, I mean, we run the gamut, every ism, every eating disorder for males and females, narcissists. We have every you can imagine. And right now I have, we've released 31 episodes and we have like 92 left. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. We have enough for two and a half years. If I never got another interview, which I'm still interviewing people, we have enough for 92. And I have to tell you, it is hard every week to pick which one to air because they're so good. Yeah. I mean, a couple of them, maybe I'd scrap, but- majority like almost 99% of them are amazing and you do not feel alone it's so beautiful thank yeah. you for asking me that question
0: uh it, <laughs> it is just one of the best shows uh, I, I really enjoy oh. it and 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 i love the the realness and the rawness of it um and, you know, I'm getting a lot of that in the shows that I'm working on at the moment as well. And it's just like, it changes you as a person, I think. Yeah. Um. And yeah. and the connections that you have with guests are just, like, I, they are some of my best friends now. Like I
1: know, really. Yeah. You just feel this connection where you're like, oh, like, I really know that person. You cut through all the bullshit, that, mm. hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, this is what I'm going through. This is what I've been through. And- I'm on the other side, and sometimes my guests aren't on the other side, and that's okay.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, I, I just absolutely love podcasts. I mean, obviously, we're here on one, but um, yeah. <laughs> I just I just think they can do so much, um, you know, if if done in the right way. And, you know, whether it be changing our perceptions, educating us, making change in the world, I think... You know, uh, this podcast itself is is doing huge things around the world um, by bringing people together and and changing it. the way they do things. And um and so I'm so I'm so glad that you could join us and share your story as well. It's it's been amazing. Now, before you go, I've got a couple more for you. Yes. If people want to find out about you, or uh, mm-hmm. well, where can they go? Well, the main thing I'm on
1: is on Instagram. It's hard for me to be on like. Facebook, Twitter, mm. and all that. So Instagram, it's at the Brianne Davis, And I also have Secret Life Podcast that you can find me at. And I interact with, you know, all our listeners and guests. And we do a lot of Instagram Lives. Mm. If the person wants to say who they are, I try to do an Instagram Live that week. So we can get like a follow-up episode. Yep. So that they can find me. You can reach out to Secret Life Novel that now if you want to get on the waiting list for the book. Um, like I said, it comes out February 12th, Amazon, all over the world. And yeah, and and reach out. If you're struggling right now, especially with sex and love addiction, reach out to me. I have numbers where you can get on meetings all over the world. I have people. I, I just want to be of service and be a, for people who are struggling because you are not alone. Mm-hmm. We all have baggage. We all have secrets. And you tell me yours and I'll tell you mine and we can be in it together.
0: And I I love that you do that and you make yourself so accessible, whereas, you know, a lot of people in in Hollywood would not. And um, yeah, I congratulate you for that. Thank you. Now, last big question for you, Brianne. Mm -hmm. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life?
1: All right. Well, that's a big question. (laughs) I think the one big thing I would like to see in the world, especially having a son, he's only two and a half. But I feel like, especially for boys, porn, accessibility to porn, accessibility to the internet and social media, I would really like to see that change for our future. It's destroying generations after generations of people, you know, uh, young girls and guys and whoever, you know, they don't know how to connect Mm. on a one-on-one level anymore And I just feel like with this over-sexualization, it being in the media so much that it's really hurting us as humans. And so if I could see a change in the world to see like, can we connect not on social media and the internet, which is great. It's a great platform and Mm. I use it but i just i would love for humans to find a better way to connect now and i'm i'm just so everyone knows i have you know i've dm a friend instead of picking up the phone call phone and calling her like mm. i'm watching her stories and then dming her instead of picking up and say hey hey how are you and i don't want to do that anymore mm. cuz this is false sense of intimacy it's mm. not real when you're typing somebody on the internet. It's like That's it. pick up
0: the phone. And it can be so misread as well, can't it? Like um and and there's this culture now that um don't don't call me. <laughs> Message me. Yeah. You know, like why? Yeah. Why? And when you try to ring someone, they don't pick up. It's like, hmm, all right. <laughs> so but, you know, I, I agree with you as well and recently I had a guest who uh, is a psychologist and um, sex and intimacy coach and um, she uh, was talking about, you know, porn and, and the difference and I think the thing um, is that nowadays people don't understand it, it's there for entertainment. It's not yeah. there as education and I think a lot of people in in our latest generation are, are seeing that as, oh, this is how how we must do it, you know. Um, yeah, this is
1: how a woman looks. This yeah. is how it looks when you perform. Like porn is so produced and so like it's a fantasy. Mm. And I think kids these days are thinking that's what sex looks like between mm. people or whatever and it's like it's really bad when I I watch thing on CNN and boy young boys watch porn as early as 6 years old. <sighs> And I, that just broke my heart because I remember at a very young age, and I, I, I've shared this story in the book, I saw Romeo and Juliet at a very young age. Mm. Is the movie from the 1967, that, the, the Romeo and Juliet then, mm. and it scarred me for life. What I believed a, a love meant, it had to be so passionate and mm. dramatic that one or more people had to drink poison – or stab themselves for it to mean true love. And I grew up a very long time having this false idea, which I didn't even know I had until intense therapy, years and years of therapy and step work and Mm. being in the program. And I didn't realize like, I saw that way too young. I yeah. should not have been <laughs> watching Shakespeare movies. It sounds culturally cool, but really it damaged my mind, my young mind. Yeah. You know, I saw Michael White's butts, so I thought <laughs> cute butts somebody's got to die at the end for it to be true love. And that's happening to our kids today. And I have a son now and I have a responsibility to teach him what true intimacy looks like. It's not a fantasy. You have to take out the trash and pay bills and be a partner, also love the person. Like we don't show that in society. Mm. And that to me, I feel like is my movement also is what real intimacy looks like. And and the way I do that is show up for my partner, my husband, show mm. up for my son and show up for my listeners and my guests. And my sponsees, and speak all over the world for my program, and write a book. That's how I can show up and try to change the world.
0: Yeah. Oh, and this is a conversation, like I keep saying, that that we've got to have. And um, yeah, and it's got to get to the roots of education, I think, um, for this to change. Um, I think we've kind of stepped back and let go of of what that is today. And also, you know, now in a pandemic, it's even worse. People are not connecting like they should.
1: I mean, I even feel myself sometimes, I mean, I, it's exhausting being at home with your family all the mm. time, especially <laughs> in LA. Everything is shut down. The yeah. like, numbers are out of control. And sometimes I can find myself with my son and he's doing something else. And I pick up my phone and I look and I'm like in, answering people on Instagram. And then I catch myself and I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, I don't need my son to be watching me hold the phone.
0: Mm.
1: He's only two and a half, but still like the example, and I don't want my son to be so disconnected and looking at his phone.
0: Like mm.
1: it terrifies me. And this is it,
0: you know. Um, we get conditioned, and 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 kids basically mirror what they see. So, yeah. wow, we've just got to be so conscious, don't we? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'm trying. You know, I'm human. I make flaws. I'm an addict I'm in recovery. So my husband and I really tried to not pick our phones up when we're playing with our son, or he can see us. But mm. you know, we slip too, and. And I've made amends to my son already. I've been like, I'm sorry, mommy should not be on her phone. Like I've taken responsibility for my actions and I put it down. And that's the best I can do. If I can help my son not grow up and be so disconnected like I was, then mm. I feel like I'm doing a good
0: job. Mm. Well, he's a little cutie and thank goodness Thanks. he's got you. Um, <laughs> look, I can't thank you enough, Brianne, for being a part of the ethical evolution. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, it was so much fun and it was so lovely talking to you. I could talk to you forever,
0: so thank <laughs> Same, you. thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker, or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate.
1: your cast